1: My name is Don Stott. I am a father who experienced estrangement from one of my adult children firsthand. Welcome to Beyond the Pain, a place where parents of estranged adult children can find peace and healing. In each episode, I hope to share stories that will help you through some of your darkest hours, to bring this out of the shadows and stop being ashamed, then to build you up and inspire you to love yourselves even more. Hello, I want to start by reminding you that I am not a therapist or a doctor. I am just a guy who's been there and wants to help you have a life past our estranged children. If you need mental help coping with this or have thoughts of hurting yourself or someone else, please seek professional help. So, on today's episode, I have a special guest with me um, from a, another podcasting site. That podcast is called Learn to Love. And my guest is Dory Abelman. And, um,. We're going to talk about uh, his podcast and what got him where he's at.
2: So, welcome, Dory. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Such a pleasure to be here. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. I'm 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 glad you could make it. Um, and and so your podcast is called "Learn to Love," correct? Yeah,
2: the "Learn to Love" podcast. Learn okay. to Love podcast.
1: Okay. So one of the first things that jumped out to me about it was obviously the name. So
2: so where did that come from? The name was from a brainstorming session where I was thinking about how can we convey what we're trying to show. And what we're all about is teaching people how to build healthy and strong relationships, which is the name Learn to Love. In the sense, we're learning how to love our partners, ourselves, Um yeah learning learning skills and tools to do that
1: awesome well it's it's obviously uh much needed in this in this time and 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 day especially right now we're all as we record this it's uh september 16th so we're still in the middle of a pandemic so um right now it's uh even more important i think so um so with that said, what kind of motivated you to get into to this work?
2: It's a great question. Um, what motivated me? Well, I, um, my parents divorced when I was younger. There were actually two divorces. There was like a, a divorce with the parents, and then there was a step-parent, and then there was another divorce uh, with a step-parent. And I got really curious as to what keeps people together. And I asked my parents the question. Um, and an answer that kind of was given to me was, one in two people get divorced, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I got really curious. Well, what are the one in two who are staying together doing differently? And that kind of started my journey. And I was always interested in psychology. Um, and for my bachelor's, Uh, degree. I studied health sciences with a focus in uh, health promotion. So we talked a lot about the psychology of behavior change and health and wellness, mental health. And then um, I just kept reading from there. Um, And I started reading with also my girlfriend. Um, Her name is Bettina. And um, we eventually after reading a few dozen books, like maybe 30, we came to the idea that between us, like that we have ideas that could really help others um, maybe learn to love themselves more or to be more effective in their relationships. And we know that people aren't just going to read, like, 30 books if we gave them a reading list. So we're like, well, let's just summarize the best of what we know and fun, um, like, content. So you can get, if you like listening, we have the podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. If you like reading, we have a blog, learnlove.ca slash blog. Um, if you like videos, we have a YouTube channel. Um, learn to love. And if you want like short minute long blog clips, you can find those on our Instagram, um, learn to love media on Instagram. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, that's, 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 that's cool. Yeah. I, I also too was a uh, product of a, you know, uh divorced family when I was young. Well, divorced family. So definitely, uh, definitely makes things challenging um, as you're growing up and trying to, learn, learn to love yourself, you know, learn to love other people and what that's all about. So, um, so that's great. Um, Thank you. What do you think would be the, as, as if there could be one, um, one of the most important pieces of advice that you might be able to give, um, to people that are having issues in their relationship?
2: The most important piece of advice I would give is, it's a really great question, is, it's going to sound general, but it goes with the theme of love smarter, not harder, which is the name of our course, uh, by the way, our online course on Udemy, love smarter, not harder. It would be to understand the way that our partner wants to share and receive love and to love them in that way. I describe this kind of like a car. So imagine that um, you have a car, right? And it's right. using gas as you're mm-hmm. driving. And whenever you are in a relationship, the engine's on. And now at the beginning, it's really nice because you know we have a full tank of gas, the car is brand new. But eventually the gas starts running low and we need to find a way to fill up the tank. Now, what many of us will do is we'll put diesel fuel into a petrol gas engine with the wrong nozzle, and the fuel isn't even getting in the tank. It's spilling all over the floor. And we'll pay for 300 gallons and only get 50 gallons, um, and then get really frustrated and and kick the side of the car and say, you know, life sucks. Why is this so hard? (laughs) But my advice would be, in a sense, to read the manual or ask the right questions to learn how to put the right kind of gas in and have the right nozzle so it actually gets in the tank uh, in advance. And that comes from being curious and open and asking questions like, what are things I do that makes you feel loved, that makes you feel comfortable? What do I do that hurts? And other questions like, when you try to show love to me, what are things that you do? Uh, what, like, what do you resort to? Because usually the ways we try to love others is the way that we want them to love us. Sure. And Gary Chapman talks about this in, in the five love languages, the five main ways people share and receive love. Um, but the idea here is to not necessarily to work harder, but just be curious, ask the right questions, and learn how to do what's gonna work for them. And many of us are scared of asking questions, I think, because we feel like we have to be perfect all the time. And media just pushes this. So far, I mean, anyone on social media can see all these different things that they don't have. And in a sense, we're scared of receiving criticism or scared of learning what we can do better because deep down, maybe we feel like we're not good enough. But the message I will share is that there's always things we can do to learn. We just have to be open to ask and, and to grow um, to help us get, get better.
1: Yeah, because I mean you can't you can't do it on your own necessarily. I mean you, you you no, that's not what I mean. You can't know what you need to do if you don't have that uh communication one, which is hugely important, which is part of what you're talking about and and being open to other ideas and and you know being able to express those it's it's i my mother went to no fault of her own but in that day they didn't do things like that they didn't necessarily show affection the same way and she was a single mother so you know that plays into it and so you know growing up it was difficult for me to then express that as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely all part of it.
2: Mm-hmm. There's so much we can do to to learn. Another thing I would mention, if we continue this analogy with the car, is to expect the relationship to be challenging sometimes. If we base our satisfaction or our expectations of it always being fun – Uh, We're going to run into problems because no matter what the couple's doing, there are always times when it's not going to be fun because feelings glitch sometimes. You may be hungry um, and you may, you know, then feel irritated with your partner, but it's actually because you're hungry. It could be related to hormones, could be related to sleep. Feelings are always going to glitch. And another thing is just to be open to change, too. So in our stages of a relationship, we talk about... The first stage, like romance, less when the tank is full. And then it's hard to get the gas in the tank. There's a bit of a struggle at the beginning. But eventually we get to working. We figure out how to get it in the tank, how to add value, how to make our lives so much better together than they would be apart through coming together for the needs that we can't satisfy on our own. But then there's also maintenance, because no matter what car you have, it needs an oil change sometimes. And if you feel like, you know, you just don't want to change the oil, you're gonna end up with a broken down engine on the side of the highway. But it's great to change the oil while you still can and and that's through check-ins, asking questions like, what am I doing today that makes you feel great? Or how do you feel? How satisfied are you? Another way to ask this is what's your love tank? How's your love tank? Ten being I feel very loved, two being, you know, I don't feel loved. And doing this can help you catch things early before they turn into fights, before distance forms. Right.
1: That that makes a lot of sense. I love that love tank. That's, that's going to be something I'm going to go ask my wife. How's your love tank?
2: That gas so. tank. Yeah. <laughs> the gas tank of the car.
1: Yeah. So very, very cool. Um, so... You mentioned all the different things you do. Is it just you um, that does all this? Do you have a team?
2: Yeah, so I'm part of a team. So my girlfriend, Bettina, um, we're doing long distance right now. She's actually in Austria um, at the moment. So we got a bit separated because of the pandemic. Um, And this is kind of like a project that we're doing together um, to give us something to 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 do together while we're physically apart. Um, And she helps with a lot of the content for the show. Also, she writes for our blog um, and helps with the YouTube. And we're also now in the process of speaking with mental health practitioners and other coaches and counselors uh, to get them on the show and hear their ideas too. Uh, So it's really a team effort.
1: Oh Well, that's great. That's great. Um, Okay, so what have... In your experience so far, what have you learned about yourself while you're helping others with this journey?
2: I have learned so much about the mind and the brain through my research, through a, a passion of learning how to stay together. I came across so much research, um, which has been really insightful and interesting from the works of like um, Daniel Goldman, Jock Gottman, um, Sue Johnson, all these like psychologists. Um, psychiatrists and and um, researchers. But through writing about it and talking about it on the show, I developed a whole new level of understanding. Like, just for example, last night, I was working on a draft for a new post uh, which is going to be about a cognitive neuroscience approach to understand feelings. It's about understanding feelings from evaluating the basic mechanics of how our brains work. Oh, wow. And While writing it, I had a bit of a like, oh, my gosh, moment that this relates to another concept that we talk about. And now I have to go and talk about trauma again, which we we wrote the last post on in a whole new light. And just through writing, through really thinking for a long time, I get these moments of, oh, my gosh, I have to talk about this on the show. So maybe that will be our next episode.
1: Yeah, I've noticed that with mine as well. You know, I'll be talking to somebody or reading something about something in our group and I'm like oh my gosh there's my next thing you know because people are talking about it and and it's clearly something that's very important so so I totally get that sometimes it just comes out of nowhere (laughs) you know um which is is a good thing you know um so okay So, is there something during either this or 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 even before um, in your previous life, so to speak that uh, that you've done that just makes you uh, very proud of what you've done?
2: Yeah, definitely. For me, the hardest thing was starting for months, months like march, <laughs> April, may, June. I wanted to have a podcast. Actually it was Bettina's yeah. idea, my girlfriend, she's like, We need to have a podcast. And then I was always like, Yeah, but what are other people gonna say when they come across our show? And it was like, Well, I don't wanna start because like I don't think I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if, if it's good enough. And it was that realization mm-hmm. of, wait a sec, anyone who's ever started anything in their life wasn't sure if it was good enough at some point and they did it anyway. Um yeah. that got it got us starting. So I would say that that just, if you have an idea that you're passionate about, and you're not sure if you're ready for it, I mean, just starting is often the hardest part. Because once you get the ball rolling, so many more ideas come too. And now I, I can't imagine stopping before releasing the next episode that, that's in draft right now.
1: I know, I, I, I have that too. And it's like, um, it took me probably, probably a two years, I would say to really get to the point where I was able to do it, you know, maybe a year and a half or so. But uh, in, in talking to my fellow people in the group, I would do videos, go live in the group kind of thing and speak my mind and talk about things. And, you know, people are like, you really should do this. I'm like, okay. So, you know, figuring out all the stuff to do it, which really isn't difficult um, in the, once you actually put it down, and it's really not that difficult to start, but I would agree, starting is definitely uh, the hardest part, and then just keep going with it. So like you said, if if it's something you're passionate about, and if it helps one person, I'm good, you know? Um, So that's my,
2: my feeling on it. I agree. Me too. And also, another thing is if I enjoy it, I'm good. It's like I'm doing this to help others, but I'm also doing it for my own learning and my own joy. And now that I've adopted this role, there's so much intellectual like fulfillment that comes from learning and that comes from meeting great people, like how we connected over the project. Right. But it's also become, it's like we do it for others, but we do it also for our own enjoyment too now, which is really nice.
1: For sure, for sure. Because like you said, you've learned so much other stuff in all your reading about the brain and the different effects that this and that have, you know, and being able to help apply it to your listeners and and um, anyone else out there that happens to be listening. Um, and I'm sure it's helped you in your own personal relationship, too, you know. Exactly. Going, learning about it in school and then applying that and now this stage, you know, um, of your lives, so...
2: Definitely. You definitely, And especially with, with conflict resolution. Um, one thing that, that we talk about on the show that I found so helpful in real life is thinking of the brain and another, I like cars because a lot of people can relate to cars, but another car example. So think of your consciousness, your mind, as if it's a car. Okay, wherever the car drives is wherever your thoughts go. And there's a driver and a passenger. One is your thoughts and one is your feelings. Who do you think is the driver? Who do you think is the passenger?
1: That's kind of like the the chicken and the egg analogy, right? Which one comes first, so um,
2: who do you think is is driving the car
1: You know, sometimes I would say one would be, and sometimes I would say it's another, so they can't like do it independently necessarily,
2: sometimes. Okay. Well, they definitely both have a role. like the passenger can tell the driver where it wants to go. But if I ask you this question, like usually, why don't you do something? Why don't you do it?
1: Usually it's because I'm afraid of what somebody else is going to say or do or think about me.
2: So that's a great and really, really important answer. And it, it doesn't, in a sense, it feels anxious. In a sense, it feels worrisome. We often don't do things because we don't feel like they're the right things to do. Like it just doesn't feel right or we just don't feel like it. And this is something that advertisers actually started using uh, to generate more sales since the 1930s. It used to be a notion of people do things based on their thoughts. Advertisers Mm -hmm. used to advertise the benefits, the logical benefits of having a product. Um, But then the notion changed. Hey, Instead of telling them that the drink is sweet, why don't we show them with a bunch of... Someone with the drink, with a whole bunch of friends laughing together, and then make them feel lonely. And then tell them, if you get the drink, you'll feel less lonely. It's driving their feelings. And today, every advertisement you see on TV pushes for feelings.
1: Absolutely.
2: Exactly. So it's the realization that our feelings are running the sh- in a large extent on the driver's seat. Now, when there's conflict... I want you to imagine that the driver of the car, when there's a lot of emotion, stress, anxiety, fear, is flooring the accelerator and taking the car rapidly off-road at a dangerous pace. Flooring the accelerator, speeding. Now, a lot of us, when we see someone else in conflict, we'll try to connect to them on a logical level. We'll say something like, that doesn't make sense. You know? There's no... like. Why are you upset? You didn't deserve it. Or you shouldn't have gotten the promotion. Or obviously they had more experience. Or, or something like this. Or I just can't understand why that's upsetting you. What right. we're doing is we're trying to connect with the passenger without recognizing the driver. And that's because our amygdala, part of the limbic system in the center of the brain, which is largely responsible for emotion, lies much closer to the spine and to the the nerves that affect our body than Uh, the frontal lobe, which is where a lot of thinking happens.
1: Thinking, yeah.
2: And it can actually hijack the thinking brain. It can intercept signals before they even get there, which is really helpful if you've ever touched a hot stove and you pulled your hand away or something without thinking about it. You you realized your hand was back and then you thought about it. That's because it happened before it got to the frontal lobe, the response. So the idea is that we have to connect to the driver through feelings to get the car back on the road first. And we, most of us really know how to do this from a fundamental place, because the way that we respond to anger or stress or emotion in a baby is very, very similar to what works best in adults. So, for example, if you see a baby crying, what do you do?
1: You try to comfort them.
2: And how? What's your first instinct to do with the baby?
1: You usually want to pick them up.
2: Exactly. No matter who Touch you ask them. around the world, people will almost always say, yeah, you want to pick them up, hold them. And what do you say to them? You say something like?
1: "Um, You, you probably, shh, 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 or, yeah. you know, it's okay. It'll be all right. Love Rocking you. Rocking them. You know. Yeah. And you
2: smile. You're modeling yeah. what you. Now, that exact same reaction is so fundamental that it can work wonders in adult life too. So if you see somebody crying or with, with a lot of emotion, what do you do? Instead of picking them up, because you know we're adults, we're bigger, you say something like, "Can I if if they're a partner, family member, close friend, can I give you a hug?" Sure. Because feelings are called feelings because we feel them in our body. Emotions right. create feelings, physical sensations, but feelings it goes the other way too. They also create emotional sensations. For example, if you hug somebody, they feel like they're close to you. Physically, they feel like they're not alone because someone is next to them, which will lead to the emotional sensation of feeling like they're not alone, feeling like they're safer because someone else is there. Now, instead of rocking them, this could be like stroking their cheek or putting your arm on their shoulder in like a loving way. And, And as you would say to a baby, I'm here. You know, like, it's okay, I'm here. You tell your partner. I'm with you, like we're in this together, I'm here, I'm with you. And the modeling, you smile to the baby and you say, it's okay, because you want the baby to copy your facial expression. Now we understand emotion by, it's called mirror neurons, triggering the same response in our head that we think the other person is using in their head. And the way that makes us feel helps us understand what emotion they're experiencing. So if somebody smiles to us, Our neurons fire the same pattern that would occur if we're smiling ourselves. And then we would understand that they're happy or that they are positive. So just by smiling at someone else, you can trigger their mind to make them feel as if they're smiling. And that's that modeling with the baby, just like with our partner saying, I'm with you. I'm here with you, holding them and trying to model what you want to see. You want to see compassion, show them compassion. You want to see forgiveness, show them forgiveness. And also just letting them speak. So many people shy away when their partners are experiencing emotion because they say, I don't know how to solve their problems. I don't know why they want me to solve all their problems. But the thing is, you don't have to solve all their problems. You just have to let them vent. Speaking is thinking. When people speak, they organize thoughts in their mind. And often that alone is enough to help your partner calm down, especially when done all together. And I just wish that... If this knowledge was more prevalent, I think people would feel so much more comfortable when there's emotion present. And use it as opportunities to be curious and understand their partner even more. Sure. And we don't have to wait for hard times. We can ask our partners, too, in good times, like, you know, when you're upset, what can I do that helps you? But we're scared to ask these questions out of a fear of thinking we have to know already.
1: Yeah. No, I I hear it. You know, and it's funny you say that because people will always say right now it's kind of difficult because you can't see people's faces but you know they'll always say even on the phone if you are talking on the phone with somebody and you're smiling that that comes through so same thing you know if 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 you're kind of what you're putting off there you're going to get back from that person mostly so um and if you try to make that a positive thing, you know, a loving, positive, helpful thing, then that's what's going to come back from that person, I feel like.
2: So, mm-hmm. Definitely. So.
1: Cool. 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 Yeah. Lots, lots of good information. So, um, you could definitely tell you've done your homework. <laughs> so you don't get uh bachelor's for not doing your homework, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm in
2: my master's now, so it's a whole bunch more. <laughs>
1: goodness, goodness. Well, that's, that's awesome. Um, okay, so... So... Is there anything else that uh, that you feel is important we haven't covered yet that you guys deal with
2: um, a lot? Um, anything else? I would just say an uh, important thing is to... An important thing is also to try to love ourselves more, to treat ourselves... Because it, it it really... I think it starts from, from us... So for sure. example, like the first step, if you want someone else to value your thoughts, you have to treat your thoughts as if there's something worth valuing. If you want someone else to help you pursue your dreams, you have to treat your dreams as if there's something worth pursuing. And it's the same for our bodies. We have to treat our, our bodies as if they're worth taking care of through eating well, sleeping well, exercising. And this will help all other areas of our life too. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to change someone else in the world, but it's easiest to change ourselves. And it's super liberating when we think about how the role that we have in the situation, because when you think it's all someone else, it kind of sucks. It's like, oh, there's nothing I can do. I wish that there was something I can do, but I can't. But it's so liberating mm-hmm. to feel like there's something that we can do. Um, so that would be the message. Just model Model what you want to see, but also in yourself, and and start by taking care of of yourself more too. It'll help all other aspects of your life, especially that feelings glitching too. Feelings glitch less. We're, we're generally more more satisfied, of course, um, when we eat well, sleep well, and exercise. Sure,
1: yeah, I've I've, I've told um, people in our group and 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 my listeners on the podcast here something you know, very similar too, because the kids that, you know, the stuff that we're dealing with, you can't change that. You you know, you just can't, you can't fix it. You know, there are things about yourself. If there's really something going on that needs to be fixed. Yes. Like you said, it's a whole lot easier to change you, nearly impossible to change anyone else, mm-hmm. um, especially for the long run They they could maybe you know, pretend to change, but in the long run, unless they want to change, it's not gonna help, whatever whatever you do, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And especially also to think about how we can change the lenses that we see the world by. Mm. So I describe like if you see the world through a blue filter. Like you remember those three D <laughs> glasses with the blue and the red? If you're oh, looking yeah. through the blue and somebody shines a red light at you, it doesn't matter. How hard you try. You are not going to see red. It's going to look purple. And you're going to complain, like, you know, there's no red. I wish. You know, I want to see white. But you can't see white because there's a blue filter. It, by definition, blocks anything that isn't blue. Right. Um, and um, just to recognize what stories are we telling ourselves that affect the way we see the world? Is the person really so-so-and-so? Or do we just see them in that way? because it fits more with the current view that we have of them but is that view actually based on reason or are our minds just exaggerating that view to make us feel sure. better
1: sure i mean I, I you know you know we you and i talked about it before and you know i had that very similar thing you know thinking that things were a certain way and then they didn't end up being that way but it was my from my view my perception so so for sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, I definitely uh, remember those way before you were even a glimmer of a thought, <laughs> the 3D glasses. So um, that's definitely uh definitely good analogy. So, so where, where do you see, you know, and I, I, I kind of hate when like employers ask you this question, but <laughs> where do you see your, your vision going here in the next few years?
2: Um, where do I see my vision? That's a great, great question. Definitely to keep working on the show, uh, to keep adding episodes to our podcast and content to our blog. Um, we have one course now. Um, there's about 70 lectures, components over six hours. Um, and we're actually looking for people to pilot that course now. So if you want it for free, please, I'll give it to you. Just let us know what you think. Um, to build other courses, um, I already have a plan for about two other courses, one mini and one larger size uh, to add. Um, and then just to continue my studies, too. So like I mentioned, I am in my master's right now. I actually study biology and um, more in the bioinformatics, like the crossover between computer science and biology. And I definitely see myself continuing um, in this avenue as well um, to keep doing my research. Cool.
1: Well, I def definitely think it's a a needed thing in the world, you know. Um, and if if people, you know, because people connect with, some people connect with this person, some people connect with this person. So once you find, uh, continue to find those people that really connect with your message and and resonate with you personally. Then I think the sky's the limit because it's definitely, unfortunately, a needed thing to, you know, have to help people through some of this, you know. Um, I mean, even on under great circumstances, uh, relationship advice and doing that is, is needed, you know,
2: because yeah, you know, I just think there's so much fluff out there, there's so much like I don't want to say garbage, but like. Honestly, garbage relationship sure. advice on the internet. Um, and like me, you know, oh, yeah. studying science. Uh, for me, it was always important to talk about this, a bit more of the science, psychology, research, um, behind sure. it. So, if it, you know, if it just helps one, one percent or one family stay together, think about that. How much it could change parents' lives, not just about their health too um mm-hmm. and their children's lives and i think that's a group it's just like a, a passion of of just mon- like helping others that that helps make our lives more meaningful too
1: yeah it's almost like the uh and i don't know if it's a real thing or not but you see it on tv in the movies but it's almost like the butterfly effect thing they talk about you know the you know one change in that you could make for this family what will that mean for however many other people you know so um definitely something that's needed so well so i know we talked a little bit about it and you've mentioned it a couple of times but to to wrap up what are where are the places that you can be found
2: awesome um so you can check out our website it's learnlab.ca um, we're all over social media, so if you search Learn to Love Media, uh, you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Um, we're Learn to Love on YouTube, and of course, you can always reach our podcast, the Learn to Love Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Awesome. And just for everybody out there, it is a learn with the, with the number two love, um, in case anybody has trouble finding it, so...
2: Thank you. Yes, like L E A R N number two, and then L O V E. Learn to love. Mm, perfect. Like well,
1: perfect. Um, well, I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show today, Dory. Um, I think it's been very insightful, and some of our listeners, I think, will will really enjoy um, both our conversation and your mm-hmm. podcast, your YouTube. I've watched some of those as well. Um, I think. Think it'll,
2: uh, it'll it'll help a lot of people. So I appreciate you coming on. Fantastic! Thank you so much for having me, Don. I'm so grateful to be here, and I really uh, appreciate our time together.
1: Absolutely. So I will just wrap up with you know telling people to um, check out, learn to love on the different formats. Um, remember that we um, we're we're kind of all in this together, and you, you guys can also um, email me if you have any questions at the Beyond the Pain Podcast gmail.com. And above all, remember to live beyond the pain.